Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, you got your host today, Pastor Clark, and I am flying solo. Now, today, as we dive into Mark chapter 4, um, we're looking at the parables of Jesus. And Bobby and I have talked about this many times with you in the past. Uh, you've probably heard other people discuss the parables of Jesus as well. But Jesus used this strategy when it came to teaching. He would use allegories and different images and metaphors to help people understand kingdom truths. And he would always use really, really ordinary things that people could understand, like fish and water, seeds, light, vines, branches, these kind of things, so that people were able to understand the spiritual truth that Jesus was teaching. But he would teach in a way that questions were asked. Jesus invited people to lean in and wonder, what is, it he, is he saying? What does this mean? And really, he, he kind of sifted through the crowd for those who maybe just were there hoping to see some miracle being done. Maybe they just wanted to be entertained. And what Jesus did essentially was he found out who were the real followers, who were the real disciples, who really wanted to get to know Jesus and follow him. And so parables were a really helpful tool for a teacher to use back then to find out who are the real curious students, who's leaning in, who really, truly, and genuinely want to grow. So when it comes to Mark 4, we're going to focus on just the first half of this chapter today. It's a parable of the four soils. And uh, Jesus says this. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along the thorns, which grew up and were choked by the plants, so they did not bear any grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And I love this because clearly there's a transition where the crowds go away. And when you pick it back up in verse 10, the scripture says, When Jesus was alone, the twelve and others around him asked about the parables. Meaning they didn't want to ask in front of a large group of people, "Uh, Jesus, we're really confused. Can you help us make sense of this? Maybe they didn't want to look dumb. They didn't want to look silly. But like we always say, there are no bad questions. And please ask your questions. Don't be afraid of asking your questions. Uh, because that's that's why we're here. We're doing this together. And so they came to Jesus and they're asking him about the parable. And Jesus essentially says to them, like, parts of the kingdom of God have been given to you. And, and I want those who are hungry for the kingdom of God and are willing to be teachable and learning to lean in. And so essentially what Jesus goes on to explain is that the, the, the farmer sows the word and some people are like the different kind of soils and their experience is like the different kind of soils, the, the four soils. And, and what Jesus is getting at here is our prayer should be that our hearts are cultivated in a way that we are like the soft, good, fertile soil. Where when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, that, that gospel message, that seed lands in our heart and our hearts are soft and they're open to what God has for us. And we're open and willing to allow that seed to, to take root and grow deeper and deeper into our, 
our soil. And so what's interesting about this passage when you ask, well, what do we learn about God here? And what do we learn about ourselves? Is the Bible teaches theologically that there are some things that only God does. Like only God created. He spoke and he spoke creation into being. There's never going to be anybody else that could do something like that. There was no stars. God spoke and voila, there were stars. Um, When it comes to our salvation, nobody could do what Jesus did. Jesus was sinless. He was holy. And it was the work of God, being fully God and also fully man, to achieve for us salvation. And then even the work of the Holy Spirit, there are things that only the Holy Spirit can do. So there are times that hearts, it seems, in the Bible are converted from a non-believer to a believer, and it's by the mysterious and beautiful work of God. And so, for instance, if you go to Acts 16, you have the Lord opened Lydia's heart, and she was able to believe, and she accepted Jesus Christ's gospel. If you go to Ephesians 2, verses 1 and verses 5 especially, it talks about how you and I are dead in our transgressions, meaning we're dead in sin. We have no spiritual heartbeat. We are roadkill. And it's the Holy Spirit who comes and resuscitates us. And when he made us alive in Christ, we're able to believe. It's like God imparts to us this gift of faith. However, on the other side of the coin, Jesus is constantly scattering seed, if you want to use the words from this chapter, um, and essentially giving us a call to repent and believe. Because what you have is you have a real relationship with God. It's a relationship where he speaks and we listen. And we speak and he listens. And he knows the desires of our heart. And as you and I read the Bible, we get to know the desires of God's heart. And so he calls us to have faith. He calls us to believe. He calls us to pray. He calls us to to intercede for other people and seek their well-being. So there's this relationship that goes back and forth and is supposed to be motivated by love. And so there's this great mystery where sometimes it seems like the Holy Spirit um, is at work even when we're not aware of it. Oftentimes that's the case. But what this chapter teaches us is that you and I are supposed to be spiritual farmers. We're supposed to be scattering the seed. We're supposed to be spiritual sowers, throwing the seed on the ground of the gospel, praying people would hear the good news of Jesus Christ and be open to to turning towards him. So this looks like you praying for your neighbor, you praying for your loved one, you praying for a family member or a co-worker or a friend, someone who doesn't know Jesus. And you're praying saying, God, would you make their heart like that soft soil? At the end of the day, there's nothing that you and I can do to convince them um, to believe in Jesus Christ, essentially, because the scriptures also teach that that's a work of the Spirit. You and I cannot change and cultivate anybody's heart from sin to holiness. That's got to be the work of God and the work inside that person. And so there are times where, you know what, we might have this really profound conversation. Uh, for me, like there are times I preach a sermon and it was it felt in my heart really good. It felt like it made a lot of sense. It felt like there was um, good illustrations that helped people understand what God is truly saying here. God was honored. And for me on my end, there seemed to be very little response. It's like, God, I worked so hard. I prepared this sermon. Maybe someone asked you questions about your faith and you were able to give a really helpful and accurate answer about who God is or what the Bible says. And we feel good and then absolutely nothing happens. The person doesn't repent. The person doesn't turn to Christ. They don't grow in their walk with the Lord. Just It seems like nothing occurs. 
Then there's other times where I've preached sermons and I've stuttered and bumbled over my words. I forgot a scripture. I mistold an illustration. I looked like a fool and just felt like I did a bad job. I dropped the ball in terms of like the art of teaching. And oftentimes, let me tell you, it's after those sermons that I get the most feedback. Like, Pastor, God met me in this verse, or God, this illustration really turned me toward the Lord. And it's always been baffling to me. It's made me actually glad. It gives me a lot of peace knowing that I'll do the best I can. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the work of God between the Holy Spirit and that person's heart. And so for you and me, you got to control what you and I can control. We're praying for people. We're telling them about Jesus. But trust that God, who's at the end of the day, the ultimate spiritual farmer, and he's the one that's tilling the soil. He's the one that allows soil uh, to be you know, uh, cultivated and seeds to be planted and then the sun to come up and others to water. Paul uses that um, imagery later on in his letters. And that you and I play a small part in what God's doing. So if someone asks you a question about your faith, maybe you feel discouraged because you dropped the ball, don't be discouraged. Uh, If you're seeking the Lord and seeking another person's well-being, you can't ruin God's plan. He invites you to be part of that process. And then there are other times where we might feel like we've teed it up and we've delivered and we answered well and it was fluent and smooth and it doesn't seem to quote-unquote work. Just trust that the Holy Spirit's working. Holy Spirit's working in that person, um, our prayer is that belongs to the Lord. When you keep reading that passage, kind of working through the soils and like, okay, God's working here and then we're also called to partake in, in this work, you get to verses 21 and 23 and Jesus actually gives us a really strong warning. He said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed instead? Don't you put a lamp on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And essentially what he's saying is, don't be a sneaky Christian. I've given you the light of Christ, and that light is to shine brightly, so why on earth would you put it under a bowl? Or why on earth would you put it under a bed? The light of Christ is supposed to shine through you to your neighbor, to your classmate, to your family member, to your friend. And so please don't be scared. Don't be a sneaky Christian. Don't be a a ninja Christian. Don't be a secret Christian. Your light that has been given to you is meant to shine and shine bright to everybody around so they see Christ in you. So one of the things that I've asked is like, what, what what are the bulls in our life? What might be concealing the light of Christ in us? It could be complacency. Could be like, hey, I got my parents' faith, been at this church, I've done this. Um, I'm bored. It could be resentment towards other persons or the Lord. It could be an embarrassment. It could be a stubbornness of heart. It could be disobedience that we're living in sin and that is keeping um, the light of Christ from shining in and through us. So one of the things that we constantly have to do is just re- evaluate where we're at, repenting and believing, repenting and believing and say, is there anything in my life that's blocking you know, spirit flow in and through me or the light of Christ shining in and through me? And at the end of the day, God calls us to ministry with him, a relationship with him. Um, and, and we need to evaluate how we're living our lives because though that, that matters. The way we live our life, the way we treat other people, those things are testaments to you know, our faith or lack of. And just know people are watching, and, uh, and that's a good thing. When we're following the Lord, we don't have to be perfect. If we're modeling repentance, that's actually very attractive to people. And we're praying that, again, God would just soften the hearts of everybody around us. And as you and I are spiritual farmers, we're sowing the seed, telling people about Jesus, asking how we can pray. 
and trusting that the Lord will have his way. All right? So I want to leave you with that today. Mark chapter 4. Again, Bobby and I thank you for the prayers. Uh, we had thousands and thousands of people praying. And we felt the peace of the Lord, um, even at the time where we didn't know what the outcome would be. And so we're just thanking God right now that uh, he was gracious and merciful to little Cruz and to her brain and to her other, her other organs. And uh, we're grateful to call you friends and family in the church. I'm praying that God use that time to bless other people. And as we look at Mark 4, we're praying that we will be spiritual farmers and we'll scatter that seed. We'll tell people about Jesus today. So know you're loved. God's got good plans for you. You have a great Wednesday and we'll catch up Friday. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.